please consider supporting Unfound at Patreon, PayPal, or YouTube. On this episode, I once again show you letters I got from Steve Pankey. I give my best insight into the disappearance of a truck driver. I talk about if police cover-ups are actually a widespread thing. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including Unfound's schedule for the rest of 2023. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for December 11th, 2023. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unfound Live show. For December 11th, 2023, that means we have two weeks till Christmas. Two weeks, and it is going probably to fly right by. I think it will especially fly by for me because I have a lot going on between now and then. And I'll be talking a little bit about that here in a moment. Want to start off uh, where I usually do. Want to remind everybody to give a thumbs up on YouTube. Do what you can there if you're watching on Facebook. And if you are listening to this as a podcast when it comes out on December 12th, please give the Unfound Live podcast another uh, a, a nice review in whatever app you are using. Please uh, like it, share it. I know a lot of you know other true crime people, people who take an interest in true crime news and disappearances and such. Please pass the word along that Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern are worth tuning into. So uh, what else is going on? Uh, what is what has gone on with me since last Monday? Well, quite a bit. I've uh, been very busy. Uh, in fact, I know many of you out there are Patreon supporters. You might be wondering, where's the blog for this week? Well, I haven't completed it yet because I've been a little uh, busy getting ready for... Uh, my trip uh, tomorrow, it starts tomorrow, and then my trip will end sometime after Christmas, maybe around December 27th or 28th. So I've been trying to really cram in some things that usually probably uh, would get put off maybe till later this month. They could have been, but you would probably understand that with the work that I do, we get around the um, the holidays, uh, reaching people is a little difficult, and these disappearances are hard enough as they are, and then to ask people to talk about these disappearances around Thanksgiving and Christmas and New, York, New Year's and everything, it gets even harder. So what I try to do is I try to work ahead at least a little bit more than probably I do ever do the rest of the year because I know this once you get into mid-December, 
it can be hard to reach people. So fortunately, um, I've done two interviews over the last two days, one yesterday, uh, Sunday, yesterday, and then I did another one today, and so that's good. And then I have another one scheduled for next Tuesday, and so that will take us well into 2024. And so I've been having to catch up on that, been uh, putting together some interview outlines and things once again. Uh, in fact, yesterday, Sunday, it was uh, one of the rarest days where I typed out, I put together two interview outlines, and I did an interview all in one day. That has to be a first. So that kind of just uh, shows you... Um, how much I've been working ahead. So I've been pretty busy since you saw me last. As far as non-unfound uh, stuff going on, I had a disc golf tournament on Saturday, so that also kind of compressed everything because um, I was out on the disc golf course for most of Saturday, two rounds, and I actually played, played pretty well, much better in the first round and the second round. But my overall rating for for that day was really, really good. Some 30 points, not that that would mean anything, points mean anything to you as far as disc golf goes uh, with how they rate players uh, on in the PDGA. But I shot like 30-some points above my rating, which had you told me going into the weekend that I would do that, I wouldn't even cared where I finished. I would be really pleased with that. And in fact, after the first round, I was fourth out of 24 players. Did not do as well in the second round. In fact, I didn't even check to see where I finished. But still, I really don't know how important my finish uh, position is. Like I said, I'm more concerned about playing well, playing above my rating, continuing to improve. Because really, this has not been a great year for me on the disc golf course, uh, as I think I've said before, I think I've been playing well. I just haven't been scoring well. Uh, I haven't been very consistent and I'll have 15 spectacular holes. And then I'll have three that are just horrible to kill the entire round. And so, like I said, I've been playing overall deep pretty well. And then just for a few, like for about a half hour, I'll just lose my mind. But luckily, a few weeks ago, I was able to put it together over there. Taylor and won in my division there by stroke. And then to play uh, this weekend at two courses that I would say really don't go along with my, the way I play very well, to finish like I did and have so many points above my rating is really, really, really uh, a huge win, and I felt great out there. I mean, I wasn't perfect. I've made some mistakes, missed some putts and everything, but really felt really, really good out there. So uh, although it was hot, and I have to admit during that second round, uh, these are long courses uh, that we're playing. Um, I was beginning, truthfully, beginning to feel it a little bit in that second round. But I played to the end. I birdied the last basket, so uh, never gave up on it and persevered. But I'm playing with guys like half my age or something. He's maybe even easily younger than that. 
in this division, which is pretty funny. And in fact, I was talking to one player in that first round, and I'd, I don't know how, how it even came up, but I had said that, you know, a lot of times uh, I, I will play MA50, which means for people, for men who are 50 and over. And the guy says, wow, you don't look that old. And I had to thank him. So I appreciate uh, that guy. That young guy had to be 20 years younger than I am uh, who said that. So that was very nice of him to say. So it was a positive weekend. Uh, any, I, you know, anytime you, know, you don't win, you look back at it and say, wow, I could have done this. I could have done that. And uh, probably, I don't know if I could have won, but probably could have finished better. But uh, like I said, going into the weekend, if you would have told me that I shot overall of nine under – and my my point uh, was like a 920 total rated. My rating, my personal rating is only 886. I would have taken that. No doubt in my mind. I would have taken that. So there you go. That's what going, what's going on in disc golf. And I won't be playing in another tournament, I don't know, till the end of January or something like that. I didn't sign up for the to- tournament that's going to be late uh, local here in St. Pete. I missed the sign-up date, and it all got filled up. And I really, truthfully, don't feel too bad about that anyway because I never played well down at Maximo anyway. So um, after that, though, the next tournament, I think, is over in Lakeland. And I haven't played over well over there either. But I do like those courses over there, so maybe I can put it together. Uh, in late January. So I'm not going to be playing you know, for another, uh, again, for another month and a half. It also uh, doesn't help that I will not be in an area to play for the next couple weeks. So I won't even be practicing or anything. So there you go. That's what's been going on in disc golf since you saw me last Monday. Let me uh, just see uh, who all was in here tonight, and then I will continue. Nephew Charles, get in first. Uh, of course, I'll be seeing Charles on Friday for his mother's, my sister's 50th wedding anniversary, where I will be wearing a suit. Pictures will be taken, so uh, there will be proof uh, that I wore one. And yes, I will show it to all of you so you can see that. Hello, Melody and Jasmine, Jennifer, Kathy, uh, Cherie. Thank you for moderating tonight, Cherie. And um, I don't know if I can say that. I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know if everybody knew, but Sheree's daughter got married here recently. So if you all want to extend to Sharia congratulations to her daughter who got married, uh, please do so in the chat. Uh, I think, uh, of course, Sheree's very happy, very proud of her daughter. She sent me uh, a picture some weeks ago. Uh, from the wedding, so um, feel free to uh, congratulate Sheree on her daughter's uh, wedding. Hello, Suzanne uh, Fishing. Thank you very much. So nice of you to say fishing. Hazel, what's going on? Uh, California sentencing tomorrow morning. Um, for uh, you're going to have to remind me on what Hazel. Uh, Puma, good to see you. Safe travels. Thank you. Uh, we should be fine, Puma, because I will not be uh, piloting the jet uh, tomorrow. So I'm thinking I'll probably get to Denver, Colorado. Just fine. Thank you. Um, 
Delane. What's going on, Delane? And Macy. And uh, you're welcome, Sheree. And uh, yeah, uh, Charlie Adelson. Oh, CA is not California. Charlie Adelson is sentencing tomorrow. Okay, well, I probably will then run across uh, that news tomorrow when it pops up. Uh, yes, thank you, Macy. Everybody, your base is reminding everybody, please give uh, this live show a thumbs up. Macy, thank you for doing that. Uh, moving on to some other things. Uh, the other competition that I'm involved in on now uh, at least a weekly basis is trivia. Uh, last Saturday or last Thursday, my team came in third out of quite a few teams. This is the team that I've been playing with for over 10 years now. And we had probably had a chance to win. Um, but didn't and wasn't too dejected about that. Uh, we came in third. I think we were six. We need. We were. We needed to answer probably three or four more questions uh, correctly to at least maybe tie for first. We didn't get it done. Totally fine. And uh, I on Saturday night went to trivia by myself, and really did not play very well. But still, the final question, uh, had I gotten it correct, got it correct, I would have finished third, which there weren't that many teams there. But being there was by myself, that would have been pretty good. And I'm going to ask all of you uh, the question and see if any of you can get it without cheating. Do not cheat on this. I have no way to tell if you're cheating or not. So Scouts Honor or Brownies uh, Girl Scouts Honor on this. The final question is you needed to name the four state capitals in the United States. The the title of these cities, the first letter was the same as the first letter of the state where these cities are capitals. So, for example, of course, Pittsburgh is not the capital of Pennsylvania. But if it were, that would be one of the answers. Pittsburgh starts with P. Pennsylvania starts with P. So can you name the four states that have capitals with names that are the same letter as the name of the first? uh, the, The first letter of the state capital is the same as the first letter of the state. I got three of them. I missed one of them. You needed to name all four to get maximum points. I only got three of them, so I lost points. So uh, there you go. You can try to uh, rack your brains. Once again, no cheating. I'm trusting you all out there. Cheating, no cheating, please. So, But I had a good time on Saturday night. I got to eat for free because I've won over there a couple times. I have these like gift cards that I can use over there. So that was nice. So I went to... Went and played trivia and got to eat for free. You can't pass that up. And I had a good time. And then I take the trivia sheet with me and then I always ask my dad, dad, the questions after. And sometimes he does decently well and sometimes he doesn't do so well. And then uh, finally regarding, um, I guess it's kind of funny. Uh, you know that I've been uh, taking this uh, singing class online it's called ken tamplin's vocal academy and i've been doing this since january and i've really noticed uh big changes no i'm not ready to sing for all of you yet but 
Uh, usually, for the most part, I do my singing practice at night. Um, sometime after 9 or even after 10 or after 11. And that's been going on since, like I said, I've been doing this since January. The only two days of the week that I don't practice my singing are on days where I'm going to be talking a lot. Like for the Think Tank, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And uh, it's because that singing wears out my voice. And then on Mondays, so Sundays and Mondays, I don't do any singing practice. In fact, I try to use my voice as little as possible to save it for, you know, for the think tank. Usually it's about an hour and 15 minutes of constant talking. And for, of course, for this live show, it's two hours of constant talking. So I try to save my voice. And... About a month ago, uh, some snowbirds moved into what would be, I live in 8B. Some snowbirds uh, renting out 8C moved in, and they're the same people from last year, and so I kind of know them. And so they've been here for like a month. They're right on the other side of this wall that is right here. And uh, no complaints. You know, me me singing at 9, 10, 11 o'clock uh, p.m. at night. Usually for like between a half hour and an hour depends on the the depends on the workout that I'm doing for that night. Whatever I'm working on, I'm just following like a plan, and it varies from day to day. And uh, the exercises can go anywhere from like a half hour up to about an hour. And I can be pretty loud. And I have I don't have the mute when I'm doing. I have it on headphones. So I'm listening to it on headphones, but of course I'm singing, but I have like one of the ears off so I can hear what I'm singing. So in one ear, I'm listening to it. The other ear, I can hear uh, what I'm singing. Well, so I've been doing that. These people over here have never said anything, even though they've been here for like a month now. Whereas over here, what would be 8A, so I'm 8B, 8C is to my left, 8A is to my right, and then there's an 8D on the other side, so there's four condos on this floor. The people in 8A are rarely ever there, ever there. Uh, you know, I've been here over like four and a half years. That condo, for the most part, is nobody's ever in it. Wouldn't you know, you know where I'm going with this. Here are the people to my left have been here for a month. I've been singing, not said a word. You're too loud or anything else. These people move in for two days. I run into the woman who's over there. I just, I think, I don't think she was waiting for me to come out of my condo. I think we just happened to encounter. I was come, come back from the disc golf tournament. And frankly, I was cleaning my shoes off out there. And she comes out and she asks me if I've been doing some singing practice. And I said, yeah. She goes, like it, like nine at night, 11 at night, something like that. And I said, yeah. She goes, well, that's really, really loud. You're really, really loud. Could you choose to do that sometime other than late at night? Sure. Now, it was like a 30-second conversation. I didn't apologize or anything. It's not like I bumped into her car or anything. 
but immediately, so immediately I came back inside, not immediately. I came back inside. I took a shower and everything, and I was going to be going out to trivia on Saturday night. I went over to 8C. I knew that those people were over there, knocked on the door, and I first had to thank them. They gave me some chicken wings that they made a few days ago. I thanked them for that. And then I asked them, I just have to, I, I want to apologize for something. I've been doing the singing practice, you know, and of course they wouldn't know about that. You know, I've been doing the singing practice at night and everything, and I want to apologize. You know, I know you haven't complained or hadn't said anything to me, even though we've run into each other a few times. But if I've been loud late at night, you know, from doing my singing practice, I apologize. So I apologize to them. She goes, they both, they were both there. They said, you know, we haven't heard anything. Now, the weird thing is that when I do my singing practice, it's like right behind me. I'm right in front of the TV, right behind me. I'm much closer to their condo than I am to that condo. These people where I'm closer to said they haven't heard a thing. These people over here say, uh, are complaining. I don't know how I'm actually probably within 10, even though there's a wall in between, I'm probably within 15 feet of where they are here. They said they've heard nothing. I'm probably 40 feet away from where these people are over here and they've not, and they're, and you know, she complained. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, luckily I'm leaving. I don't really have to worry about it cause I don't have to think about it for about three weeks, but I just, uh, you know, I don't know what really is going on. These people, it's not like they're deaf or anything over here. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. But this is it. Maybe some of you go back uh, a few years. Uh, I've had some issues with the people over here. Even though they're only here like twice a year, I've had issues with them in the past. So there's that. Um, so it's just kind of weird. The people I'm singing really, really, really close to haven't heard a thing. And it's not like they're 90 years old. I think these people are in their 60s or something. But over here, I'm further away. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Now, I am loud. I won't. I, I, I am loud. I am singing. Uh, so when she said, you know, it's really loud, I said, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I realize we do have like a, like we call it like a sound code here. That if you want to do any like uh, construction or pounding and hammering and everything, it has to be done between like, I think, 9 in the morning and 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, you know, everything else is supposed to be, quote unquote, quiet time. Nobody really follows that. <laughs> I mean, the people who live above me, they're pounding away all the time. In fact, it's ruined some of my recordings when I've been recording my podcast that I had to stop. No complaints. It's I just accept it for living in a building like this. You know, that's that's how I handle things. I'll just work around it. Other people, I guess, aren't like that. But it very well may be just because they're only here two times a year. They really don't know what goes on in this building and how, you know, uh, people tend to be a little more forgiving, I guess, when you actually live here than when you're only here twice a year. You actually have to find a way to live you know, with others and having neighbors and things when you're just popping in twice a year. 
So maybe there's that. And yes, I realize these people may see this video. I really don't care. But, you know, the other thing is they do have an advantage over me. Those people over there are owners. I'm just a renter. So there's that. So um, let's move. So that went on. Uh, what was it? That was on Saturday. And I really, thinking back, that I said, I shouldn't have been too surprised. Um, Charlene, what's going on, Charlene? Good to see you. 2.13 a.m. Uh, there in Ireland. Ireland. Uh, I know your uh, country's unfortunately been making the news a little bit here in the United States for all the wrong reasons, Charlene. But uh, you uh, take care over there. Uh, Marty. Marty, fashionably late, as usual. Uh, Macy's saying my trivia question is a hard one. Hazel said three in the afternoon in New Zealand. Um, of course, where Athel Turner disappeared. Delaney says she's geographically geographically challenged. Um, Shree says she knows three of the four answers. Move your. Oh, I'm, I'm calling. Uh, move your to your camera so when you're looking at it, your audio, I'll do the best I can, uh, calling. Uh, Macy, of course, there's no complaint, but I'm sure you sound great. Uh, I do sound great, Macy. Thank you. I do sound spectacular. Uh, uh, Kathy is offering up some guesses there. I'm going to give the answers here in a bit. And got it. I know all the states in alphabetical order and all the capitals. This fifth grade geography turned out to be helpful. Wow, Sheree. We could use you for trivia. Uh, Puma, my kids. All right, uh, Anchor. Uh, all right, Macy's offering some guesses. Rockford has three of the four. Um, uh, yeah, I'm calling. Juno is the capital of Alaska. Nome is the capital of Alaska, not Anchorage. That's funny. Uh, Juno is what I meant. So I'm, I'm gonna. I'm who I will tell you which state I missed. Uh, for sure. Rockford, Oklahoma is the one I missed. Puma got it. Rockford. I missed. Okay. So everybody's giving their guesses, talking in, talking back and forth. Are all the condos the same layout? Delane says you could be next to one's bedroom and another's living room. Um, they are all kind of limited. Uh, mine is a two bedroom. The, the one over to my right is a three bedroom. The one to my left is one bedroom. And the one on the far end is another three bedroom. So we have two big ones on the ends and two smaller ones in the middle. But trust me when I say, if I'm standing in front of my TV, when I because usually what I'm doing is I'm singing, but I'm watching TV closed caption while I'm singing uh, and maybe walking around a little bit. I'm surely right next. Their bedroom's like right here on the other side of this wall. Whereas to get to that condo, you still have to go through, you know, the, the sound has to go through my laundry room, my, my bedroom, my bathroom, my closet, the other bedroom to get to their place. <laughs> I don't know. But, yes, they are different, all different plans, yes. Uh, I say we have Monday trivia with Ed. That's funny, Puma. All right, here are the answers. Here's the answer, and some of you did get them, and I will tell you which one I missed. Um, so the, once again, the question, anybody tuning in late, the trivia question was what four states have capitals where the, the big, first letters of the state and the capital are the same. 
Now, some of you said Alaska, and but some of you also said Anchorage is not the capital of Alaska. Juneau is the capital of Alaska. Dover, Delaware, some of you got that one. Honolulu, Hawaii, probably was probably the easiest one, in my opinion. Indianapolis, Indiana is another one. And those are the three that I got. The one that I missed, I put Minneapolis, Minnesota, because to me, of course, I don't live there, but I think of Minneapolis and St. Paul as just like the same place. Whereas very, very technically, St. Paul is the capital of Minneapolis, not Minneapolis, St. Paul. So my answer was wrong, and it was Oklahoma City, Oklahoma was actually the fourth answer. And there were a couple teams that got it right. Actually, the guy who was in first place by quite a bit on Saturday night did not get them right. So he did not win. He, he missed them like I did. So I thought it was a fantastic question. Um, caveat, our guesses were the same. How about that, Kathy? Yeah, Oklahoma City. For some reason, I was thinking that Oklahoma City had a capital that was like, um, like if you don't grow up in Pennsylvania, I don't know how many people realize that Harrisburg is the capital of Pennsylvania. Not Pittsburgh, not Erie, not Philadelphia. It's Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And Missouri is quite like the same way. It's not St. Louis. St. Louis is not the capital of Missouri. It's Jefferson City, Missouri. And so I was thinking Oklahoma City or Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma had one of these other kind of unusual cities as the capital. Of course, I ended up being wrong. So there you go. And you only have like three minutes to figure this all out. It's not like they give you a half hour. There's like a timer going. You have like three minutes to go through all the states and you're thinking, 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 you know, what's the capital of North Dakota or South Bron- Um, you know, like Pierre, what is it? South Dakota, North Dakota, or, you know, you have to think about some of these states that you're usually not thinking of Helena, Helena uh, Missouri or uh, Montana. You know what I mean? So, uh, Tallahassee, Florida, most people might think what's well, capital of Florida is Orlando or Miami or even Tampa. Nope, it's Tallahassee. You know, but if you don't live here, I don't know how many people would know that. So Delane says she should have gotten, uh, I do know my state capital. Okay, there you go, Delane. So those are some things that went on since last time we all got together. By the way, I did not, uh, even though I put up out a request, I do not think that I got any questions for uh, tonight's show. So if you have any questions uh, that are on your mind that you would like to ask me, please type them in the chat and uh, I will get to them. Also, uh, there are different ways that you can contribute to what we do here at Unfound. And that would be, uh, of course, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. You can go to paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. Or, uh, of course, in the super chat, you see for all of you YouTube people, you can hit the little button with the dollar sign in the middle, the little square there, and you can monetarily contribute to what we do here. And we would deeply, deeply appreciate it. All right, let's get into the true crime 
portion of uh, the programming of this uh, live show tonight. And I'm going to start actually with my travel plans um, and what's going to be going on uh, for the next couple days. Tomorrow, I will be flying to Denver, Colorado for the third third time in, I guess, technically it would be two years. First time in 2021, second time 2022, and now here in 2023. So three years in a row. I will be uh, flying from Tampa to, to Denver. And I will be making also my third visit to Greeley, Colorado. And I will be staying. Uh, anybody wants to stalk me or something. Um, I will be staying at the hotel that I stayed at the first time I was there. So two years ago for the first trial. And I'll be getting there kind of later. Uh, easily after 8 o'clock mountain time tomorrow night. So after 10 o'clock Eastern time. And then on Wednesday, I will be taking a part. I will be doing my part for this series that is being made about the murder of Janelle Matthews. And it's going to be, I think, at least a three-part series. It's being uh, produced by a British company. I don't know what that means for purposes of um, airing for the public. I don't know if it's just going to play in the United Kingdom or just in Europe, will play also here in the United States. I really don't know. And in fact, I don't know uh, even what, you know, the production company is different from the network. I don't even know what network it, it is. It could be for the BBC. I have no idea. Now, I'll probably know more. I'll probably find out more on Wednesday. But I have been um, assisting them. In putting this together, I've sent them all my information, all the correspondence that I've had with Steve Pankey going way back to 2019. Uh, they are the only people that have gotten this information. I know I've shared some of it with all of you at one point or another, but everything that I've gotten has always been sent to them. And I don't know how much of it will actually make it into the series. They may do some of it, all of it, none of it. I'm going to guess they'll use at least use a little bit. But I'm not just – I'm not the only person uh, they're talking to for the purposes of, uh, you know, for the purposes of putting this series together. But the way I you – know, I'll be working with them on Wednesday, and I think that will be it because on Thursday I am flying out, although – the flight's in the afternoon. I suppose we could get some work done again in the morning on Thursday. But checkout time for my room is noon on Thursday. And then it's like about an hour drive from Greeley to Denver. And then it'll be a flight. And then I'm flying to Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, they are all paying for all of this. And I cannot thank them enough. That uh, from, you know, of course, they want me to be in it. They're willing to fly me and everything, but for them to accommodate me to the point that it's so close to my sister's uh, anniversary that instead of flying me back to Tampa here, I said, could you just fly me to Pittsburgh and then I'll find a way to get back to Tampa. And they were, they were really accommodating and I cannot thank them enough. So I'm going for Tampa tomorrow to Denver. And then on Thursday, I'm going for Denver to Pittsburgh where my dad will pick me up. And uh, so on, on Wednesday, I don't know how, how much of the day it's going to be. 
Um, and really, I don't even know what's going to be done. <laughs> I really don't know. It's not like they give you a heads up. You know, here's what we're going to be asking you. Here's where we're going to be. How long is it, you know it's going to be? I have no idea. Um, they haven't given me any heads up on you know my uh, you know all my interactions with Steve over the like the last four years, including. Of course, these letters I've gotten from him and the letters I've sent to him in prison. So I guess I'll probably be doing a lot of this off the top of my head, which is fine. Uh, a lot of it is still fresh in my memory, and we know how they do things. Uh, unlike what I do with the interviews I do for Unfound, where if I talk to somebody for two hours, you hear all two hours. We know in, in situations like this, the way they make all types of TV shows, just not cr- true crime shows, they get somebody, they interview the person for a long time, and then they dice it up and just pick out bits and pieces, which is probably what's going to be uh, happening with me. I just don't know how all, all long that's going to take on Wednesday. I think they may just be doing it. They may just have something rented out at the hotel you know, to do all of this. I really don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be taken somewhere. Uh, the the courthouse, if some of you may remember, uh, that particular hotel is only across a park from the courthouse. So maybe they're doing filming at the courthouse. Maybe they have a room or something. I really don't know. I'll find out, I guess, tomorrow night or on Wednesday uh, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. I guess, you know, <laughs> I've been joking around. um with, uh, you know, people that I know just personally and the stuff, you know, why couldn't this all have happened? Of course, I wish it wouldn't have happened at all. Of course, I wish Janelle uh, had not been murdered by Steve Pankey or whoever. Uh, but I would admit that I have joked around. I don't, you know, I don't mind helping them out. I want to take part. I think it's good for the podcast and uh, everything. Um, but, why couldn't this have been Honolulu somewhere, New York City or something? I will admit that has crossed my mind. But um, I wish, it, of course, it hadn't happened. I wish none of these disappearances had ever happened at all. But I really thought that when I was in Greeley, Colorado a year ago, that you know, especially when Steve was found guilty, that that would be it. I really did. Uh, nothing, not that I have anything against Greeley, Colorado. I, you know, it's been fine. Uh, the people who accommodated dated me there, uh, the prosecution, the flights, the travel, the, the hotel rooms was all great. was all great. Okay. It's all great. Uh, but also I think all of, you know, I am very much, uh, although I was raised as a country boy, I am very much a city boy now. So, um, Greeley is uh, not a, it is a city, but it's not uh, a city, but I'll be there. I'll do my part, give it 100% and we'll see how it goes. Um, And I will, of course, uh, we will have a live show next Monday. And by that time I will be in Pennsylvania and I will tell you uh, all about it. So tomorrow, Tampa airport, brother Brian picking me up at 1230. My flight takes off around four. It's like, uh, unfortunately, like it's like a four-hour flight or something, but that'll be like six their time. I get the in the van, get driven up to the hotel, 
and I'm sure I'm probably going to be wiped out. Uh, this time with 739, it's 939, 739 right now, mountain time. This time tomorrow, I should be in a van, in a passenger van, uh, getting closer and closer to Greeley, Colorado, 24 hours from now. We'll see how it goes. So there you go. Um, yeah, this, I think that was the, uh, man, I saw, how do you all remember this stuff? Yes, it was the hotel that had the cow wallpaper. I think it was. I think it was. Wow, you have fantastic memories, some of you. Um, all right, go go feed the cats, Delane. Delane says you have officially entered the panky rabbit hole. I'm not, I'm not in the I'm not in the panky rabbit hole. Not at all. Not at all. All right, let's go to uh, the disappearance that uh, was covered this past Friday. Went back to Canada. I should have counted how many times Unfound has gone to Canada now. Maybe this is what? Number five, maybe? Of course, we had the Pickering Six. We had uh, Sean Ginyard. We had Ashley Simpson. Maybe there are a couple more in there. I know somebody's going to come up with the number. And uh, But here we are again. As I stated during the episode, this disappearance, and I'm going to guess a lot of you probably reminded of the disappearance of Madison Scott, which we now know for sure that foul play did cause her disappearance. And so could it be that Jamie Lee, uh, same situation? Um, the poll... In the discussion group, the think tank that I conduct every Sunday evening, uh, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, if you would like to take part, sign up. And even though I've not completed the Jamie Lee blog yet, I'm going to tell you what my conclusion is. And it goes right along with the polling in the discussion group and what we talked about in the think tank, that everybody seems to be very, very convinced that Jamie Lee is somewhere in those woods, not too far from where he was last seen and where he had gone camping. I know easy for all of us to talk. We're not there. We don't know the area. We've never done any searches there. We were not involved in any searches there or anything. And even though we know about Madison Scott, but we did talk about that in the think tank yesterday evening and, and it's one of those things where the disappearances are similar, but this is one of those dis- this is one of those types of disappearances where I think the gender of the missing person plays a huge role. Uh, we've talked about this before that, of course, men go missing, women go missing. And even if you check on NamUs, there are way more men listed on there than women. I don't know if that surprises you or not. But certainly after 300 and some disappearances covered by Unfound, we know that men and women go missing for different reasons. Can be similar reasons. Certainly women, if they are addicted and high and can walk off just as easily as men can. But when we start talking about abduction and relationships and things, those are usually more leaning toward men, uh, women going missing, even though we have a disappearance like Tyler North where his ex-wife 
you know, hatch that plan. We talk about abductions and relationship issues. It's more likely that women are going to go missing. Whereas with men, it might be because of a woman or it might be because of, even if we talk about non-straight relationships, maybe we think about um, uh, Paul Egan. Remember uh, that disappearance uh, that happened right here in Florida? Uh, his uh, sister Marion was the guest, and there was a belief that uh, he went missing because that that uh, friend of the family might have been infatuated. Another guy might have been infatuated with Paul. These things happen. Um, but with men generally, it, it could be over a woman. It could be some sort of beef. Um could you just a straight out attack by a, a bunch of guys, but men usually don't get abducted and men much likely when it comes um, are much less likely to go missing because of relationships, even though relationships are the number one cause of disappearances. So you have to keep that in mind with Jamie, um, at least in the think tank, uh, the trucker story. Not sure whether to believe it or not. Uh, all we, I think we really could come to the conclusion was that we did not believe that Jamie got in a truck with anybody. Uh, as I like to say, un- say, unfortunately, the story just lacks context. All we have is a trucker picked somebody up. Somebody a trucker dropped some guy off two hours later. Well, if this trucker really did come forward, did he not say what the person's name was? What did they talk about? Did the person, did this young man not give an explanation of why he's out there in the middle of nowhere, need a ride, nothing, nothing, nothing. And that should cause all of us to doubt it. It's certainly conceivable. I just don't know, think it's very possible given the circumstances. And so I guess what it also means is somebody was lying. And I'll just leave that up to do, to you to determine what you think regarding that. So the Jamie Lee poll uh, in the discussion group, the think tank, and myself all agree that he is probably most likely still out there in those woods. And um, and I think uh, I did a pretty good, good job you can do with math with audio is trying to explain that with these searches, 99% just isn't good enough. And I'm sure all these searches that we've talked about on Unfound, how many have, have been brought up in interviews in the last seven plus years? Many, many, many. I'm sure none of them were to a 99% degree of accuracy. I'm sure none of them. And in fact, I would guess to say that probably none of them even reached 75%. And that's why I wanted to do that uh, math for you to show you, even just if you miss 1%, it can be a huge area. And so when you go back to like, if you miss 10% or 20%, 25%, we start talking about a lot, a lot, a lot of area. And then you add in, Certain people don't allow their area, their properties to be searched. You have uh, areas that can just cannot be penetrated due to the brush being so thick. Well, just because a searcher can't go in there or doesn't want to go through this brush and everything 
doesn't mean a missing person avoided it too. So um, that was uh, the conclusions uh, for these three different uh, two groups and one person, that being myself. And uh, I really can't say that I'm surprised by that, but always open to new information. I, I will add, though, into all of this that I thought Madison Scott was still out in those woods somewhere. I ended up being wrong. So I very well could be wrong with Jamie Lee as well. Like I said, though, I think there's – you really just can't push to, to the side the fact that she's a woman. He was a guy. Um, let's see uh, what uh, – Rockford said, is Joe Kenda picking you up from the airport in Colorado? Boy, I hope not, Rockford. <laughs> Boy, I hope not. No, I think the Greeley Express, and that is a company, Greeley Express is picking me up. Delane uh, talking about Joe Kanda was quite attractive, but the real deal, not so much. But yeah, well, yeah, good rumor to start. Uh, Hazel, Jamie Lee, good episode. Sad for his mom, family, of course. Yeah. Uh, Kathy says, we've done eight Canadian disappearances. Thank you, Kathy, for going back and checking out. Uh, Bonnie Joseph, our Immaculate Basil, Ryan Stuka, Lucas Degernes. Thank you for listing the other ones. Thank you, uh, Kathy. Hazel believes that the trucker gave the information. Okay, Michaela Bally, too. Thank you, Rockford. There's another one. Yeah, we've gone to uh, Canada quite a few times. How about that? Uh, Sheree says, Kathy always comes through with statistics. Uh, She's reliable as Big Ben, uh, Sheree. Uh, That was Ryan Stuka, Delane, uh, that was working at the ski lodge. Yeah, I forgot we covered Michaela's. Yes, we did. Uh, Delane, yes, her father was the guest. So in total, nine Canadian disappearances. Yeah, all right, good. I'm glad that um, trying to represent uh, Canada as much as we can, even though Unfound is, uh, of course, comes from the United States. Happy to try to help those people up there. And we do know that uh, Ashley Simpson's disappearance uh was solved uh was it last year so one we covered was solved all right let's go to some stories 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 want to first talk about this missing trucker and i have more trucking experience than i might than you might realize that it might appear um back in the day uh, when i moved to las vegas i went on quite a few trips with my brother Brian, both before I worked at 7-Eleven and after I worked at 7-Eleven, um, he would come through Las Vegas going to California. I'd get in the truck with him, would ride down there, uh, you know, just listen to the music, listen to the radio, BSN and everything. And then he'd drop me back off when he came back the other direction. So I've spent some time in some in, in some truck stops. Spent a lot of time in an 18-wheeler back in the day. And um, I'm just going to read this article, and then I will pass along what I think I know about this. The Sacramento uh, County Sheriff's Office gave its first update Saturday in more than a week on David Schultz, a trucker from Wall Lake who reported was reported missing on November 21st. In a news release, Sac County Sheriff Ken McClure said the Iowa Division – of criminal investigation is assisted with a forensic search of Schultz's phone 
and confirmed the missing man has not legally gone through a U.S. border crossing to leave the country. Schultz, a 53-year-old married truck driver and father of two, left home about the evening of November 20th to pick up a load of pigs near Eagle Grove and deliver them to Sac City. His wife reported him missing the next afternoon, shortly before his truck was found without him inside. The last time Schultz's truck was seen on Iowa Department of Transportation cameras was on Highway 20 west of Mile Marker 126 Visitor Center near Fort Dodge. I've not looked at map for any of this. Which is between Eagle Grove and Sac City, his intended route heading west, according to the timeline provided by the Sheriff's Office. But at 3.04 p.m. November 21st, a Sac County Secondary Roads employee called in a truck parked in the traveled portion of the road at intersection D15 and N14, which is a few miles north of Highway 20 in Sac County. It was reported that this semi had been sitting there since early morning. Responding deputies determined it was David Schultz's. The semi was shut off, and inside deputies found David Schultz's wallet and cell phone. Schultz's driver's license was in the wallet. Investigators would later learn that nothing was missing from the wallet. Following the discovery, county investigators searched the area on foot and with a police dog and requested assistance from the Iowa State Patrol Air Wing Unit. A state patrol, a state patrol pilot flew the surrounding area and did not detect a heat signature that would be consistent with a person. For the next two days, law enforcement, area firefighters, and volunteers expanded the ground search on foot. And with the use of drones, nothing of significant value was located. To further the search, Sac County Sheriff's detectives and Lakeview Police traveled to the Eagle Grove area in Wright County. And with the help from the Wright County Sheriff's Office, found the hog confinement where Schultz picked up the load of pigs. And he's still missing. So this is November 20th that this occurred. And so we are here on December 11th. So would that be roughly 21 days, three weeks. And there is still no resolution. Um, yeah. Uh, Sheree, do you want to... Uh, I'm guessing that's not really the real Steve Pankey on there, Sheree, if you want to take care of that. If you could, are you in here? There we go. Um... My, um, you know, like I said, uh, okay, it's already taken care of. Thank you, Sheree. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how these things happen. Steve, who is in jail, uh, somehow getting into the chat tonight. <laughs> I'm sure it was not him. Um, for sure. But anyway, here's what I think I know about. Truck driving. First of all, you must understand something. I don't know if this is generally known to the public. At least when my brother drove. Now, my brother Michael was a truck driver for just a few years in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe three or four years. But my brother Brian, who lives near me, uh, I talk about him often. Uh, he's the one taking me to the airport tomorrow. He was a truck driver for about 15 years. So he saw a lot, has a lot of trucking stories, a lot of crazy trucking stories. And in fact, my nephew Charles, who is in uh, the chat tonight, um, he also spent a lot of time with his uncle Brian uh, in the truck going way, way back to like the 1990s. Uh, Char uh, Charlie, I, I know uh, you did that. You have a lot of uh, stories from that. Here's one of the things that uh, I learned from my brother. A lot of truck drivers are abandoning trucks all the time. 
at least back when my brother 20 years ago was driving. Not unusual, rare, but not totally crazy. In fact, I can remember one of the times that I went with my brother uh, down to L.A. and back in his truck. And it was during one of these trips that another truck in his same company, the driver had just abandoned the truck. Just left it. Boom, gone. Didn't disappear. In fact, I think it was like the truck driver's girlfriend or something that come picking up. He just left the truck in some parking lot somewhere and abandoned it. Boom, gone. Wasn't missing. Not unlike David Schultz. But you first have to understand that this goes on. Now, truck drivers going missing. Now, of course, that is rare under these circumstances. But of course... Truck, some truck drivers out there are carrying uh, valuable ma- material, and I, g- I guess once in a while, um, you know, thefts can happen. Uh, so we know that that Brinks robbery; those guys are guest truck drivers. The Brinks robbery that happened in California wasn't in 2021 or 2022 that I talked about here. These things do happen, and even my brother has some stories about. You know, people trying to scam him and, uh, you know, him leaving his truck and another truck allegedly accidentally running into his and things. He has all sorts of crazy stories. Also, what I know is that, you know, um, if you're on the highways of the United States long enough, you know, there's a lot of shady things that go down. A lot of people... Uh, riding the highways of the United States, I-10, I-40, I-70, I-80 that go east and west, and then all the highways that go north and south. A lot of people cruising those uh, roads looking for victims. Not necessarily murder victims or anything, looking to steal cars, looking to rip them off. People hanging out at rest areas, people hanging out at truck stops. And this is even for me, even though I, you know, I think I can take care of myself and everything. When I, although it's been a while, when I go to drive seat and see my dad, or like when I drove to uh, for the disc golf tournament in Illinois last summer, I stop to get gas and that's it. Once I get on the road, it's I'm getting there, and if I do take a snooze, it's in a truck stop. Under you know the bright lights right by where the convenience store is of that truck stop and everything else. I don't pull off into a you know rarely do I pull off into a rest area, you know rarely. In addition, um, you also have to realize that that there are a lot of truck drivers who do drugs to keep themselves awake. Now, granted, here in the United States, we have driving laws. The truck drivers are only allowed to um, drive so many hours per day. They need so many, you know, hours off and everything else, and they keep these books. And of course, these days, all the trucks have GPS and everything else that that law enforcement, state police can access if they want to make sure that nobody's breaking the law and putting anybody in danger. By we have all these drive, you know, truck drivers out there that are, you know, falling asleep at the wheel. But to counter that, as my brother Brian has told many stories regarding this, a lot of, a lot of 
truck drivers do speed. And I don't mean go over the speed limit, but do the drug, you know, methamphetamine to keep awake. Common. Not to mention also them, a lot of them are forging their books. My brother Brian might have even done this that one or a hundred times. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things going on out there. Now, what was necessarily going on with David Schultz? I don't know. Being that nothing was stolen, being that it doesn't sound like there were any signs of violence in the truck, being that it was his wife who uh, first alerted the, the police that something wasn't right. And I don't know if he was supposed to be home or he wasn't answering his phone. I, something's going on there that probably I'm leaning toward this being something personal. It can be lonely out there. Um, you know, and I give credit to my brother, Brian, uh, for doing that job for 15 years. And he'll tell you, he has no idea how he got it done all that time. No idea. <laughs> he'll talk about it. He hasn't talked about it recently. We'll talk about it. It's just like, just needed to get it done. And he got it done. And, um, but it is, can be a lonely existence and you always got to have your head on a swivel and not a lot of people out there that you can trust and you never know what's going to happen. Just, you're out there all alone and you're, you're carrying valuable stuff, whether it's bananas or whatever else, anything that's in the back of that truck, somebody can steal and sell somewhere else. So you've got to really be alert and everything. But this, does, this disappearance of David Schultz does not sound like that. It doesn't. So um, who knows what this guy is going through? This is why I continue to say it's not about circumstances. It's about people. I think if we had a better handle on who David Schultz uh, is, what he's going through as a person, um, maybe uh, this disappearance would become you know, much clearer into, into the picture. And uh, on the other hand, going back to if he was one of these drivers, I there's nothing out there that says he was. But if he was one of these drivers that was using speed to stay awake and everything, then anything's possible. Anything's possible. He'd start hallucinating and everything. He just Anything is possible. And then this is a disappearance that is much like we've talked about on Found many times with people being high with addictions and then walking off and not really understand what they were doing. Maybe like a Noah Davis or a Robbie Hurt, somebody like that. Then this, that, this disappearance becomes like theirs. We just need to know about David Schultz, but just reading that story, and I think I meant to do this story last week, and but didn't put it on the agenda. Um, it just brought back so many uh, stories uh, that uh, from when I used to ride with my brother Brian, we had a lot of good times in the truck riding, a lot of great times. I, I look back fondly. I wish we could do that again sometime. He has an RV now, so maybe we'll get to do that in 2024. But um, it did really see a seedier side of the United States <laughs> in, the, in the truck with my brother. I, brother. I will tell you one time we were at a, a truck stop in Victorville, California, which is kind of like the last, if you're going west, it's kind of the last spot before you really start to go onto the other side of the mountains and you go down through Cajon Pass, going down through LA. It's like the last 
city there before you start going down because you're in the high deserts, like the last high desert city before you start winding, 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 dying, going down to like Riverside and, you know, going on, you know, going toward L.A. I can remember one night, Victorville, California, being sitting in that truck stop with my brother. He was sleeping in the sleeper in the back. I'm sitting out there. This is before like, you know, iPhones and Android phones. This must have been like 1999, 2000, something like that. You would not even begin to understand how many prostitutes were in that truck stop at like three in the morning. You would not even just going from truck to truck. <laughs> Luckily, they did not come to my brother's, but my brother does have some stories like that. My brother would never do anything like that. Um, but he has some of those stories too of women trying to get into his truck and everything. Here I am sitting with the lights all out in this truck. They can't see me. Just seeing these women going from truck to truck. There were so many of them. It's very sad. Oh, baby. Brings back memories. So uh, those are some of my trucking stories. Um, let's see what everybody's, uh, thank you, Shree, taking care of that. Uh, Toria Quinn, I'm a new subscriber with Toria. Uh, good to see you. I uh, hope you're doing well tonight, wherever you are. I hope you're enjoying the live show tonight. And, uh, thank you for becoming a new subscriber. Um, they're talking about, uh, Rachel Rockford. I only know about Rachel Moore in Virginia. I think not Nicole Moore and found in a drain pipe. Uh, yeah, Rachel Moore, and I think that, yeah, that's still haven't caught whoever did that. Uh, Rockford, I spent four plus hours doing Aaron Gilbert last night. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Aaron Gilbert later in this show. Uh, uh, Mike Prill, you can delete that too, uh, everybody, everybody coming out tonight. I'll read what it said. I never intended to cut Steve a deal. Instead, I got right in his face and started spitting like a barroom brawler. I said, that's, uh, Sheree, please delete that. Uh, this, uh, I don't believe, uh, uh-huh. Thanks for the heads up, Kathy. Trolls on fire tonight, Delane. Yeah, Sheree, please, uh, keep up with this stuff. Um, Rockford Gilbert is an easy one to figure out. Yeah, logbooks are electronic now. Yes, they are, Puma. All the GPS. That was kind of becoming a thing right when my brother uh, got out of trucking. My biological father drove for probably 30 years, and at least 13 of those, he was popping pills and drinking Pony Budweiser beers the whole time. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, you just got – I'm sorry, Facebook user, you just got right now. Um, uh, Stephen King. Wow, trivia question. Can you fill in the – Yeah, all these Steve Panky people coming out tonight. Shree, are you not going to delete these people? Please, if you're there. Uh, brother got robbed at a truck stop in Georgia. He is in an overnight trucker and was in truck warning it up, doing his pre-trip report. Uh, most trucking companies now won't allow you picking up a passenger now. Probably Schultz looks really young for being 53. Does that make a drug angle less likely? I just don't know. We don't know how old that picture is. I guess that's a recent picture. I didn't know he was 53. I agree with that. Um, Kathy, one of my longtime friends lived in Victorville. Hot and windy, lot lizards. Yeah, lot lizards. Uh, it's already done. You're the only one that can see them. Okay, thank you, Sheree. 
Yeah, people coming out tonight. Um, Victorville, my stop of choice on the way to Vegas. It's usually the habit off of Lenwood exit. Uh, never went there, Rockford. Uh, okay, Sri, thank you. It's, it's um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I could, so I didn't know that. So I could see those, but everybody else can't. All right, I'll remember that so as to, um, not read them. Thank you, Sure. I wasn't aware that's here. We've been using for StreamYard for what? A few, uh, six months now or something. And I'm just aware of that. Sorry about that, Sheree. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all I had to do was put Steve Pankey in the uh, title tonight and everybody's coming out. Well, it's, well okay. <laughs> should be, should be in that I'm going to Colorado tomorrow. Should be really interesting. All right. I want to talk now about this missing wrestler. Uh, this is also a uh, disappearance that's kind of actually, a, you know, happened around the same time uh, that David Schultz um, was uh, went missing. And so let's talk about this missing wrestler, Matthew Grant. A student from RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, has been missing since November 20th, and police and his family have not stopped searching for him. The 20-year-old Onaway, Michigan native was last seen leaving Rochester, New York, I think, around 10 p.m. on Monday, November 20th, without his phone. According to uh, Channel 13, Grant told his roommates he was going to meet a friend, but instead went east. I don't know what that – that seems to be like a little bit of a non sequitur. Maybe AI wrote this article. Driving a 2014 grade Jeep Cherokee – um, with Michigan license plate ESR 8141, Grant was last tracked to New York State Thruway, exit 36 near Interstate 81, Waterton, Binghamton. Uh, you might remember Binghamton uh, from the movie Rounders. That's where Mike McDee and Worm got beat up. An update to the case, the Monroe County Sheriff's Office received surveillance footage from a gas station between Thruway exits 41 Waterloo and 39 Syracuse. So we're really talking upstate New York. The night of Grant's disappearance, the Democrat and Chronicle reported that Deputy Brendan Hurley said Grant was walking around inside the gas station convenience store in the video. He appeared to be alone and not in distress. Grant is described by authorities as being 5'8", 125 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes, kind of a smaller guy. He last observed, uh, he was last observed wearing a green jacket and blue jeans. Uh, recent online searches on Grant's computer pulled up maps of the Adirondacks and the Appalachian Trail through his father. Mark Grant said his disdain for the cold made those confusing locations for his son to head to. Mark told News 8 in Rochester he plans to continue searching for his son in the Syracuse region. In all honesty, I don't know how I can go home again until I know where he's at and what has happened. His father said, I'm broken as a person can be, but I refuse to quit. Grant's family has been searching in Ithaca, Oneida, the Adirondacks, and most recently Lake Placid, of course, where the Olympics were. A statement from Rochester Institute of Technology was sent to students, thanking them for the support and the search for Matthew. The message also reminded students, while there is a Facebook group dedicated to finding him, any information, regardless of how insignificant it might seem, should be reported directly by calling 911 or the RIT Public Safety Office at 585-475-3333, or sending a text to 585-205-8333. All right. Um, uh, so we got somebody else uh, not reading that. Rockford, we have a the habit here in Menifee, and my daughter said it wasn't very good. <laughs> 
Uh, let's solve it. Some cool. I'm all ears. Okay, Facebook user. I know who you are. Uh, why won't it let me share this? Uh, not sure, Facebook. You probably have to be on uh, YouTube to share. Uh, yes, Rounders. I knew it as soon as I heard it. That's where Worm showed up. Showed his true colors. Yeah, he backed the, them right into a corner. Um, Rockford. Okay, it's talking about a restaurant. All right. So we have this wrestler. Now, what is not included in this article is that I guess he had told his family or maybe just his father not long before this happened that somebody had stolen his wallet and drained his accounts. Not long before this happened. Um, there are a couple different ways you could go with this. Uh, first of all, we have to understand that unlike we just talked about David Schultz, of course, his 18-wheeler was found. Matthew and his vehicle are still missing. And it's been three weeks. So, of course, this is concerning given that there are so many people out there looking for a vehicle. And as I remind everybody, it's a lot easier to find a car than it is to find a person. And this is why we have so many disappearances where the, the, the cars are found, but the people aren't. We have to realize first that it very well could have been Matthew himself who drained his accounts. And if he did that, meaning he changed whatever money he had in his checking or whatever into cash, then he could be anywhere. He could be anywhere in the United States. Now, um, at least for the most part, getting into Canada, you need a passport. However, there are spots in Canada, spots between the United States and Canada, where you can kind of go back and forth without showing ID. Not everything is like, where that car crash was from weeks, what, weeks ago in the Rainbow Bridge or the Peace Bridge in Buffalo. Not all of the um, boundaries between the United States and Canada are like that. So it's at least possible, conceivable, I should say, conceivable that he could have, all, he could have drained his accounts and gone to Canada, being that Canada is right there. You know, from Rochester, Syracuse, Canada is only an hour away. And, of course, if you want to keep going up northeast, if you go up into New Hampshire, Vermont, you know, Canada is even closer. And then you start talking, instead of Ontario, you're actually talking about the, um, you know, the province of Quebec. So this is certainly conceivable. I don't know how possible it is, but I think it is noteworthy that his vehicle is still missing. But he could be anywhere. If he cashed out and he had a couple thousand dollars, he could have been paying for gas, could have been paying for food, and gone anywhere. Did he have any credit cards? You'd think if he did, they'd be tracking those, but I've not read anything about that. Um, and, of course, that would be a very, very easy way to track him. But it sounds to me like he didn't want to be tracked. I don't think anybody is uh, thinking that he got abducted or anything. So most likely he left on his own, which means he doesn't want to be tracked, which makes it then very more likely that he was the one who drained his accounts, but that might not even be true. It very well may be that he just said that. I don't know if there's any proof. I'm sure by this time they've checked his bank accounts, but I haven't seen any factual information that that's true. 
I'm also open to something else, though. And I wonder if... Um, I'm wondering if, you know, we start talking about a college kid and everything. I'm wondering if he got catfished. Could it be that, and this happens, this is why even with the work that I do, even though Unfound is heard in most countries, can be accessed in most countries in the world, and I'm always happy to get back to anybody who contacts me through Messenger or through email, uh, you know, in the Facebook group or whatever, somebody reaching out to me about a disappearance or telling me about an episode they enjoyed it or whatever else, I'm always ready to respond. And, and, and I thank everybody. You know, I think that's one of the responsibilities I have as the host of a podcast that can, is, covers the entire earth. That if people are listening and they contact me, I have a responsibility to respond to them. But I will also tell you that I'm not much for uh, talking to strangers online. But maybe that's also because of my age. Somebody half my age in their 20s, it, maybe it's not unusual for that type of person, that age of person, to just generally start talking to some stranger online, reaching out in one of these chat groups or anything else. But I will tell you, as long as I've been on the internet going back to the 90s, that was never something that I was interested in. In fact, to this day, it just creeps me out. I love talking to all of you in this, but like a, like a one-on-one, you know, you're, you know, who knows, who really knows who is on the other side of, you know, the internet there. But for younger kids, they don't think about this stuff. And so then I start wondering, could it be that, and we hear about this, could he have been catfished? Could some uh, guy or whoever, somebody pretending to be somebody he or she wasn't, and they start talking. And let's just say there's no proof of this, but this is just something that came to my mind. Given my experience with disappearances and looking at the facts of, of this, could it be that Matthew Grant was getting extorted somehow? And that's why his if his accounts did get drained, maybe it's because of that. And then he ran off when he found out that he had been fooled. And there you can Google it. A lot of people have committed suicide. Young people have committed suicide because they were tricked. And we have stories of uh, girls, you know, guys, you know, pretending to be, to be boys who are 15 when they're actually 30-year-old guys and tricking girls into sending risque pictures of themselves. And then they, you know, and then the guy threatens to, ex, you know, expose them if they don't do this. And they do that. This is the world we live in. Common. Common, common, common. One more reason I'm glad I don't want to be kids. But this is also something that has come um, to my mind. Did something like this happen to Matthew? Problem is, we just like with David Schultz, we know the circumstances because this is what gets written in these news stories. But what we really need to understand these disappearances better is more in-depth, honest representation of what was going on in these people's lives. 
Well, David Schultz, he's missing now. Was he going through some things? Matthew Grant, he's been missing for three weeks. Was he going through some things? Was he having problems in school? Was he having problems with a relationship? Was he communicating with somebody online and he suddenly found out that person wasn't who he thought the person was? And this person was extorting him. Either you pay me or I'm going to do this, you know, and you don't want your friends to find out you've been doing this. this is, I'm not making this stuff. We, we know this stuff happens. So, um, this is much different. I have in the notes, this is much different than, for example, a disappearance that happened here years ago that was recently solved here in Pinellas County. With Robert Helfrey, he was uh, an older guy in his 30s who had been out with friends. He was seemingly going home, never made it there, and he and his car went missing for several years, almost 20 years. And then just this year, uh, they figured out that he had been – he and his car ended up in a pond uh, what seems about – uh, it's, it was on his way home and he was probably drinking and driving, made the wrong turn, went right into this pond. And there are many, many ponds like this in Pinellas County. He just happened to drive into this one. To me, this is much different because at least with Matthew Grant, there is proof on these cameras, uh, these traffic cameras that he was nowhere near. He, he was driving away from school, far, far away from school. He was driving somewhere. It was with Robert Helfrey. I don't think anybody really thought that he just took off and decided to go drive to uh, Georgia or Louisiana or Alabama or anything like that. I don't think anybody believed that. I think that we certainly could have been a foul play possibility, but whatever happened happened right here in this county of Pinellas County where St. Petersburg and Clearwater are. Uh, with Matthew Grant, that is certainly not the situation. Um. He is surely well outside the area of where he started. The cameras prove that. I don't think that he doubled back in any way. Uh, but to really get to a firm you know, grasp of this, we just need to know more about Matthew. But I just wanted to go through this. It's just some of my thoughts. Uh, it's been a national news story. I'm sure many of you have seen it. So you might have been wondering what I'm thinking about it. And that's what I'm thinking about. It very well could be that he just... Uh, depressed about school, depressed about something, couldn't handle it, took off. But I certainly am open to the idea that could it be that he got into some sort of issue online and thought he was going to be exposed. I'm open to that idea at all as well. So what is everybody? Um, Desmond, you're very well because you were able to recognize all the references. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to be tracked, then ditch your easy pass. That's pretty basic. Yeah, that's true. Rockford just wonder what kind of state of mind he was in. But the thing is, Rockford, I think even if you ditch your easy pass, uh, I don't, aren't they going to take a picture of your car one way or the other anyway? At least I think that's the way it works in Florida. Hazel says catfishing is a new angle from you, Ed. I guess it is. Um, but, uh, you know what, we have Joshua Guimond that might be like this, of course, you know, and there's people believe that that might have been what happened to him. 
if Joshua was gay, was somebody extorting him, blackmailing him or something. I'm not saying I believe that, but it's something that's been put out there. Maybe that's a similar one. Maybe. Maybe. Rock for the, yeah, the broke, the, uh, the easy pass broke the Avelson murder wide open. So for far can four convictions and one facing trial because of the easy pass, right? Uh, you responded to us. We thank you for getting our son short stared. Shirley, very welcome. Um, uh, I continue to be very sad that things didn't go uh, in a better direction for you and your family. I'm very, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Um, Delane says, young people and elder adults get catfished the most. It seems I've actually talked to my dad about that once or twice. You know, he gets these emails and things. Don't respond to any of them. Don't read them. Don't open them. Delete them. No. Uh, they have not charged Markel's wife, Delane, yet. No, they have not charged her yet. Uh, Rockford says, I don't know about catfish, maybe, but we do have a disconnect. He told his roommate he was going to meet a girl he started dating recently, and she said they had no such plans. So, uh, Rockford, so I guess what we're saying here, Rockford, is we now have a couple stories that seem like lies. The stolen wallet and drained accounts, I don't know if that's true. But then we have, he was going to, and I think the article said he was going to meet a friend. Maybe that's what it means. And so creating stories. And of course, as you know, Rockford, how many disappearances we covered now where missing people are lying before they go missing. It is certainly a thing. We've covered quite a few disappearances like that. Don't they take pits, the license plates, the license plates that blow tolls? They do. Add in the missing wallet, and you have some unusual events in a short period of time. Yeah, something was going on, Rockford. And it seemed like it happened in a very short period of time. I mean, if they talk to this girlfriend, maybe she's willing to give some insight. Uh, is there? I couldn't find anything, Rockford. But uh, did the girlfriend offer up her theory of what might have been going on uh, with Matthew? Um. <laughs> she says, I'm so thankful for you regulars. I see your name and I know regardless of what you say, it doesn't need to be moderated. <laughs> That's true, Cherie. Uh, Delane, not familiar with toll booths. Uh, Delane says, we love you, Charlie Bravo. Yeah, Cherie is known as Charlie Bravo online. Um, Delane says, yeah, we can choose non-tow roads here in North Carolina. We can do that here in Florida. Valley, I'm so sleepy. Just wanted to say safe travels and tell us what you can later about Colorado. I will do that. If you're going to listen to the rest of our Valerie, that's fine by me. Thank you. Uh, and Delane says, yeah, I saw the mom's arrest fleeing the country. Yeah, that's going back to the Markel case. So Matthew Grant, uh, David Schultz's disappearance, Matthew Grant's, Grant's disappearance, um, two that have made uh, national news, and I wanted to comment on them. So uh, being that this is in the title, uh, more panky letters, and that's probably why we had these trolls who showed up tonight. Uh, I did open the two from last week. Um, they were a lot of substantial writing. Um, I don't know how much I really want to say about it right now, but I did take Steve up on something he mentioned somebody in one of the letters and I decided to reach out to this person and I got to talk to this person for quite a while last week. And I'd never spoken to this person about Steve's um, 
you know, but Janelle Matthews is murdered, never spoken to this person before, but he and I had a, a very constructive conversation and, um, this person and I seem to really, really, really be very close to being on the same page regarding everything regarding Janelle's um, murder. So I will say that. So I, so Pete wanted me to contact this person. I did so. And um, this person and I had a great conversation. And I think uh, very well may be that I run into this very same person in Colorado because I think this person is also being involved uh, in the production of this series. So very well may be that I'd heard of this person before talked to him last week and I may run into him in Colorado, like on Wednesday or something very strange, but I should tell you what are these? If you're watching the video, what are these? These are more Steve Pankey letters. I got these on Saturday. These are not as thick as the ones from last week, but these are new letters. Like, uh, what's the, what's the postmark on them? Postmark, they were mailed December 1st. So my dad's birthday, so that would be Friday. Um, and they are definitely from him. I know Steve's handwriting by now. Um, I've gotten two more letters from him. As you can see, I've not opened them yet. Um, I'm probably going to wait until I get to Colorado. I'm going to take with them with these with me to Colorado and open them while I'm there so the production crew and everything can be there when we open them so we can all see what they have to say. So I guess given that we know how much Steve likes to talk, maybe I shouldn't be surprised that he's just sending me letter after letter after letter now. So I have the ones I opened. They're sitting right here actually from last week. And um, a lot of it were things that he had already said, but, one point in particular, I decided to take him off up on it, and I, I think it was somewhat fruitful. So there you go. Um, so that was more Steve Panky letters. I'm probably guessing um, after I open these, maybe I'll talk about them next Monday if anybody is interested. But here they are right here. Uh, he did say – let me see something. Yeah, um, one thing that he did say in the letters from last week, he's been moved. He's been moved to a different jail. And so I'm now seeing on these letters uh, that it's a new return address. So I will note that for when I do reply to him when I get the time. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, since I wrote him, he sent me like six letters or something. Kathy says, the kiss, kip, the gift that keeps on giving, is it a gift? I don't know. Uh, as I've said before, and I will continue to state again, um, yes, I'm a podcaster, but uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm a journalist. You know, I am in the information business. I am a reporter. I'm here to go out there and get the facts somehow and assemble them in a way that all of you can understand. That's how I visualize reporting, but it's also the reason that all media, at least in the United States, ticks me off. I, I'm, I'm so upset um, about the state of all media, not just politics, not just sports, not just entertainment, all of it. Just the, 
just about all of it, I just find to be horrible. But that's my job to go out and get information. And if uh, I think that something is unresolved, uh, then I'll continue uh, to gather as much information. You may say, well, what about Tom Brown? There's just, uh, you know, that's, I guess, unresolved. It's not unresolved in my mind. It's unresolved in Phil Klein's mind. It's unresolved in Tom's family's mind. It's unresolved to many, many, many people out there. But it's somewhat resolved to me. Whereas with the murder of Janelle Matthews, in my mind, it is much more unresolved than Tom Brown's death. We're just if we're going to make a comparison between two different uh, cases that Unfound has covered extensively and in depth. If you want to draw a comparison between them, in my mind. Tom Brown's is much more resolved than Janelle Matthews is it. That doesn't mean Steve Pankey didn't kill her. But it is certainly, uh, I think it's much more unclear what Steve Pankey did, but it's much more clear to me that most likely Tom Brown died all, you know, without any foul play or anything. I'm much more secure in that than I am that Steve Pankey killed Janelle Matthews. That's where I am. If you're somewhere different, totally fine. Totally fine. Moving on, um, I did have in the title police cover-ups, and so I want to uh, kind of compare and contrast two stories, and you can um, decide for yourselves um, what you all think about this. Of course, I'm going to first go to Karen Reed, and I thank uh, Assistant and Moderator Cherie for alerting me to this, how the FBI is getting involved in uh, this um, this death of John O'Keefe and Karen Reed, who is in jail, and this is where this free Karen Reed movement has come from. Just going to read this article, uh, very recent articles. Of course, there's like a thousand different ones that I could have chosen. Norfolk County District Attorney Michael Morrissey has called the federal probe into the handling of Karen Reed murder case extraordinary, but said he's unconcerned. 25 investigates broke the news Monday that the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Massachusetts looking to the arrest and prosecution of Reed, who's accused of striking her Boston police officer boyfriend, John O'Keefe, with her Lexus SUV and leaving him to die in a snowstorm. In a statement to 25 Investigates Tuesday, Morrissey wrote that his office is not seen and is not aware of any letters saying his office is a target in a federal probe. The U.S. Attorney's Office does not have jurisdiction over a state murder case, so this is an extraordinary step on their part. I'm unconcerned because I have confidence in what I, we've done and what people have told us. The NDO has not seen and is not aware of any target letter in the manner, he said. 25 Investigates revealed Monday that Morrissey sent a letter to the Department of Justice requesting that the federal probe of the Karen Reed case be transferred out of Massachusetts because he is concerned about potential conflicts of interest. Two sources, including a law enforcement source, told investigative reporter Ted Daniel the Morrissey sent the letter to the highest levels of the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., alleging Rachel Rollins, who was the U.S. attorney for Massachusetts when the federal probe began, had a personal grudge against him and his office. A law enforcement source told, said Morrissey referenced public comments made by Rollins that are critical of him. Rollins resigned her position in May, on May 19th of 2023. Following two scathing reports from government watchdog agencies accusing her of abusing her authority and committing multiple ethical violations. 
25 investigates attempted to reach out to Rollins, but did not hear back. On Tuesday, Morrissey told 25 investigates there have been indications that the federal interest in the matter predates the resignation of the last U.S. attorney from Massachusetts on May 19th as federal authorities were issuing reports on her conduct. Morrissey said that his office has reached out to the FBI and U.S. District Attorney, inviting them to speak about the DA's investigation, but they haven't taken up on the offer. There have been communications over the course of several months and by a variety of people, including the DA personally, addressed to both the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office to encourage them to come and speak about what Norfolk DA's office murder investigation has revealed, Morrissey said. Federal authorities have not taken the NDAO uh, up on the offer. So I guess what it's saying is it very well may be that the FBI got involved because some U.S. attorney had a beef with the local attorney. But the U.S. attorney at the time, this Rachel Rollins, uh, didn't like what Morrissey was doing just out of spite or something. And so she talked to the FBI. You know, I think this Morrissey guy is not doing things the right way. I don't know if every, you know, this is going the right way. You need to get involved. So, but of course, I am not an expert on what, you know, on all of this, but I did talk about this maybe a couple months ago when this kind of became a thing. And I am aware of some YouTuber that has gotten in trouble, has been charged with all sorts of things and is, uh, I don't know if he's in jail, maybe he's out on bail or whatever, but he kind of started this whole thing. And you'll remember, I even went back and cr- tried to pinpoint the the day of when this became like a thing, because this is not something that's been like hot from the start. It was just like a regular, regular case. And all of a sudden it blew up all sorts of conspiracy theories and everything else. And it seemed to start with this guy who eventually did get charged with some crimes regarding, I don't know if it was defamation or whatever. I, like I said, am not an expert on everything that has gone down. And it seems to me that, Uh, My assistant, Sheree, and other people uh, connected to me have followed a lot more closely than I have. You know, but I guess what we're saying is, and when you hear about free Karen Reed, I think what these people are saying is that they believe there's some sort of police cover-up. That John O'Keefe was a police officer. Where he'd gotten dropped off, that guy's a police officer. John O'Keefe ends up dead outside this guy's house. And people are saying, could something have happened? And the investigators, who are also police from the same police department, might have covered uh, something up to protect one of their own. And then trying to push it off on Karen Reed. That's what it seems like to me. And it's always amazing to me um, that, you know, people love, love the police until they don't. I'm sure that all these people who are now wearing these free Karen Reed shirts and everything else, that if you would ask them what they thought about police a year ago, they would say, oh, yeah, back the blue, and we do everything. All it takes is one conspiracy theorist to pop up, and suddenly everybody's switching allegiances. That is my perception. Of course, here at Unfound, we don't do the kind of hero worship of uh, whether it's district attorneys or police or anybody else here. As I've stated, I'm not a supporter of the police. I'm a detractor from the police. I'm a realist. And what I will tell you is that this all sounds like a huge stretch to me. Now, I don't know 
if a murder was committed, but I do know if she was drinking and driving, just accidentally killed John O'Keefe, that's a crime. I don't know if it rises to the level of murder, go away for 25 years. And I'm perfectly willing to believe that Karen Reed did this and didn't realize what she did. My understanding. Certainly possible. Of course, there are a lot of people who think this is all conspiracy, but she didn't hit him at all. He got beat up inside. They threw him outside, then went over to her house and broke her taillight. That's just too much for me. It's just too much. But I'm perfectly willing to believe that Karen Reed did not realize what she did. However, it's still a crime. That's what we have to realize. Even if she didn't realize what she did, it's still a crime. If somebody's drinking, driving, going down the highway, hits a jogger, doesn't realize it, goes home, goes to bed, and then is figured out to have done this, that's still a crime. Even though this person, yeah, didn't stop, didn't realize it. It's still a crime. So when it comes to free Karen Reed, I think what these people are saying is they actually want her totally, totally off the hook, period. And that is just a step that is too far for me. But what really strikes me about this, like I said, is that – how do I say this? If you look at the demographic of the people – and I've seen the pages, uh, I see the people on Facebook. I see them on articles. I've seen them when I do my um, searching every day like regarding true crime stories. I see them wearing their hoodies and hats and everything else. I see some of you who I'm friends with posting stuff about free Karen Reed and everything else. Um, it does all strike me as a particular demographic that usually supports the police. And now suddenly they're getting all wrapped up in this conspiracy theory that the police are covering something up. How quickly things change. Um, however, do police cover things up? Yes, they do. And that takes me to the next story where it seems to me this more likely is a cover-up simply because it's easier to understand. There's so many moving parts that you have to be some believe some sort of conspiracy happened with Karen Reed. But with this next story, there aren't as many moving parts. So it's at least, I think, it's at least possible. The family of a man who was fatally struck by an off-duty police officer's SUV then then the, the, the man who was struck was buried without their knowledge is calling for a federal investigation. Dexter Wade, 37 years old, was killed on March 5th, according to his death certificate, less than an hour after he left home following an argument. Despite his mother, Betterstein Wade, reporting him missing, uh, reporting him missing to the Jackson Police Department in Mississippi days later, she said she wasn't informed of his death until August 24th, even though he had been killed in March. Nearly six months after he died, he just disappeared off the face of the earth, and nobody knew where he was. None of his friends, nobody, his mother said. All the time, he was right down there in the morgue. All they had to say was, Ms. Wade, your son is in the morgue. Dexter had been buried without her knowing in a cemetery outside a county prison. His grave was marked only by a number. According to the coroner's report, Dexter was identified using prescription medication he was carrying 
and next of kin information was sourced from a medical clinic. According to Wade, the mother, the coroner was unable to reach her, but she was told Jackson police tried to contact her several times. Wade said she never received a call. Give me a reason why y'all did not contact me, why y'all did not knock on my door, she said. Wed said she filed uh, a missing persons report with the Jackson Police Department in March after her son was missing for more than a week. She said she spent months following up and searching the city and even asked for help online. Chakwe Antar Lumumba, the mayor of Jackson, said there was a lack of communication between the missing persons division, the coroner's office, and accident investigators. <clears throat> it was, in fact, an accident, and there are no malicious intent, Lumumba said during a press conference last week. Oh, really? Civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who's representing the Wade family, said he plans to petition the court to have uh, uh, the man's body's body exhumed and have an independent autopsy be formed and then give him a proper burial funeral for his mother and his daughters and his family. Crump, who has also represented the families of Tyra Nichols, Malcolm X, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others, said he hopes to have the body exhumed next week. CBS News reached out to the Jackson Police Department but did not hear back. Now, to me, this very much sounds more like something going on. So an off-duty cop hits him in an SUV. I guess stops, maybe stops, maybe not. They see this guy, take him to the coroner's office, take him to the morgue, bury him, bury him very quickly. Right around that same time, his mother files a missing persons report for a black man who is in 50s and is missing. And these police officers never put that all together. Really. It seems unlikely. Uh, as I put it here, these people never put it all together that the guy was missing and a guy who wasn't identified was buried around the same time. <laughs> Um, I mean, we know what this looks like. We know what this looks like. Maybe, uh, if we really want to go far with this, maybe he wasn't hit by a car at all. Maybe something else happened. And even if we're to believe he really did get hit by a vehicle, could this uh, off-duty cop been drinking and driving and other policemen, police officers covered it up? Now, that is something that, I think does happen. Um, whereas the Karen Reed thing, once again, too many missing part, moving parts. With this, not as many moving parts, and we know this kind of stuff goes on. There have been many, many stories kind of like this. Cop drinking and driving, other people cover it up. And they just wanted to make this all go away. It's just... It's a little too quick for all of this. They weren't interested at all in trying to find out who this black man was that was walking. I mean, I mean, what is, you know, what are we talking about here? Is this like slavery days all over again? Um, you know, there's no need to even talk about, you know, she, she mentions 
that, uh, you know, the police are saying, well, they tried to call her and everything. There's no need to even talk about the phone calls. The timing of the quote unquote accident and the disappearance should have been enough. Cop hits black man, older black man. Black man uh, goes missing about the same age, goes missing at the same time. And these bunch of Inspector Clouseau's couldn't put that together. Uh, as I have also written in my notes, they sure do bury people fast in Mississippi. Uh, and as I also have written here, to me, this sounds more like a cover-up than the Karen Reed situation. Uh, much easier to uh, this is uh, much easier to do. Although it does seem that if there was some sort of cover up, it doesn't seem like the these police officers were successful. So let me see what everybody is saying about all of this. Shree uh, says regarding Karen Reed, FBI isn't going to waste this time their time unless there's a real good reason. You'd like to think that Shree, but not sure. Rockford, the pro and anti-police thing goes both ways. You can find plenty of anti-police people who take a different stance when, for example, their Prius gets stolen and then recovered, surely. I think what I'm saying, uh, Rockford, just generally, if I'm, I'm just going to speak for my own country, that here in the United States, uh, that uh, minorities in the United States uh, are much more sp- suspicious of police than white people are. And it very well may be for, for good reasons. Um, it very well may be for a, a lot of good reasons that maybe are, are just starting to get exposed within the last few years. Certainly we just in general, think white people usually back the police and minorities in the country, just, um, much more suspicious, less likely to assist in investigations, murder investigations and everything else. But so what I'm saying with Rockford, uh, Rockford and uh, the rest of you, what I'm saying is. Sure do have a lot of white people with the Karen Reed situation claiming that there was a police cover-up. It's it's very interesting for me to watch. Uh, J7 says uh, Mississippi, and I can't say that word or those combined words. Jasmine, it was a big deal here in Mississippi about Dexter. The family wanted a second opinion on his death, but the police dug up his body without the family permission. Blaine, wouldn't that be part of their job description, at least the ME's office, Jasmine? Job description, unless it's a coroner versus uh, medical examiner state. I don't know what to tell you, Delane. Um, you know, uh, let's just maybe we need to think about it this way. Instead of a, an off-duty cop hitting this uh, black man walking along the road, let's say it was an accountant for uh, just to joke around with my good buddy, Dave. Let's say it was somebody in the financial department for Amazon who hit this black man walking along the road. Do you think that black man gets buried that quickly? Probably not. Something to think about. Uh, you know, and I, and um, you should know, uh, even as a white guy, I would say that I've been harassed by police in my life. I actually, if you can believe this, you should know. I used to be a drag racer way back in the day. A very well-known amateur drag racer in Western Pennsylvania in the early 1990s, if you didn't know that about me. And in fact, my nickname was Fast Eddie. 
And I did a lot of both legal and illegal drag racing. Lots of it. And I, though, even I, got pulled over for driving too slowly once by a Pennsylvania state cop. And he ended up pulling me over and certainly harassed me. Certainly. He went through my entire car hoping he was going to find something he could bust me on. Whether it was an open beer can or drugs or whatever else. Of course, there was nothing like that in the car because I don't do those type of things. But he was so hoping he was going to catch me doing something because he was in a rush to get somewhere on a back road at night. I was, me and my buddy Doug, luckily there was a witness there. My buddy Doug, one of my best friends to this day, was with me. And Doug's, by the way, Doug's dad was a part-time cop at the time. And he pulled us over because we wouldn't get out of his way. And we weren't driving fast enough. Driving too slow. I got pulled over. I must have been, I must have been summer of 92. I'm going to say I was like 22 years old, 21, 22 years old, something like that. True story. So it always sticks with me. I have stuck with me to this day. Uh, Jasmine said, it is a cover-up, Ed. Yeah. Sherry, sorry about what? I must have missed something. Uh, you pretty much have to be on your own detective in cases of the missing. Yeah. Yeah, surely, Shelly. Uh, it's true. Once again, we are not here to denigrate the police. We know they have a tough job. But I think what we also know, there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of very good people who are cops who cover up for a lot of bad cops. That's what I think I know about law enforcement at the age of 53. And so when I think about this black man getting hit, I feel horrible. His family, family horrible. But this very well could be something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, totally agree with your overall points regarding police, but go to states like Idaho, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and you'll find plenty of white people or way special cops. Yeah, well, I think, uh, probably, uh, looking at those states probably because the, you know, there's a high, uh, percentage of white people living in those states, probably, and, um, probably right. I think I guess what I'm saying, Rockford, is a higher percentage of minorities are suspicious of uh, the police than a higher percentage of white people. And we know, hey, as much as we talk about crime in the United States, and it's really because we are a majority of the population, guess who commits most of the crimes in the United States? White people do. Now, very well may be because there's more of us than anybody else, if you want to break it down by race, if you really feel like doing that. Um. But white people cause most of the crimes in the United States. Um, that would be a stick to you type of story, and you're right. Yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, Glenn, better late than ever. We got uh, six minutes left. You're going to have to catch it in the reruns. Uh, you're going to have to catch it in uh, uh, syndication, Glenn. Um, so that's that story. I do want to go through one more thing, and then I will tell you what's going on with uh, this Friday. Um some interesting stats. Uh, I was talking to friend of Unfound Caroline Lowe. I've been listening uh, to the first two episodes of this uh, podcast, The Consult, talking about Jody Husentrude's abduction. And I took some time to 
go through all of Unfound's disappearances to determine how many of them are are probably abductions, meaning people who were forcibly taken. This would be in contrast to like Sue Swadell, who seemingly, according to witness, went along with whoever picked her up uh, willingly. How many people seemingly were forcibly taken like Jody was? And so you might be interested in these statistics. Uh, I broke it down like this. I will. I, I went through the list. Here are the ones. Maybe you want to do this on your own sometime. How many disappearances that Unfound has covered have, have something to do with abductions? Susie Lyle, Linda K. Carroll, Laurel Bible and Ashley Freeman, Jody Husentrude, Evelyn Hartley, Mikkel Biggs, Kimberly Raymer, Dale Kerstetter, Julie Wefflin, and Pearl Pinson. So that's one, two, three, four, technically five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And so only 3% of all of the disappearances that Unfound has covered have been abductions. That's it. And if we really want to break it down a different way, if we just look, of course, being that we think these, these abductions are eventually murders, if we just break it down by how many murders we think we've covered on Unfound, which as we've kind of come up with that 60% number, 60 65% to keep it easy, uh, we'll just see but 60%. So uh, roughly 200 of the disappearances that we've covered uh, have been murders. That means of, of all of those, only 5% of those are abductions. So what it means is the next time you hear about any of these disappearances or more, more you know, um, succinctly Jody's, what you should be thinking about, this is a very rare type of disappearance. Jody Hoosentrude's disappearance with her being abducted is a five percenter. A five percent. That's it. it. Was I? I don't know if I realized that not the percentage was going to be that low before I started looking into this. But I, I think that Caroline Lowe got something out of it. Just I just wanted to illustrate to her how rare of a type of disappearance Jody's is. No matter if she was known, you know, locally known, locally famous, living by herself, you know, John Van Sice, this older guy's a friend, and everything else. Just if you look at abductions, her disappearance is very, very, the type of, is very, very rare. So I thought you might all find that interesting. Uh, Tree says, I'm white and I'm suspicious. Detective for our case watched you and made him look at case more in depth. Oh, um, Shelly, uh, I'm, I'm glad to help. Um. And I thank that detective for having an open mind and willing to be open to the idea of taking a more in-depth look. You don't know how rare that is, Shelley. So I give that detective all the credit in the world. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having an open mind and uh, looking at uh, your son's, uh, your son's uh, disappearance again. And, of course, that brought about a resolution. Of course, it wasn't a res resolution we all wanted. But I, I thank that detective for having an open mind and taking the time to you know, um, give it another shot. Thank you uh, for telling me that, Shelly. All right. Uh, one more thing. Uh, as far as what's going to be happening for the rest of the year, um, there's not going to be any unfound now at the end of this year. There will no be no found uh, episode here. They're going to take the rest of the, the year off for those. This coming Friday, unfound is going to revisit the disappearance of Aaron Gilbert. 
This is because even though I've done a couple interviews, I'm not going to have time to completely create a new episode and edit the interviews uh, and do everything because of traveling and, and everything else. But I will have time to record some new audio, uh, kind of a new summary and everything, and put together an episode for this Friday. And we've never revisited Aaron's uh, before, and I wanted to do that. Uh, you really should know that her sister, even all these years later, it's over six years, she's so supportive of Unfound, um, always commenting and things, and uh, I wanted to do that. So this Friday is going to be the disappearance of Aaron Gilbert from Girdwood, uh, Alaska. It seems to be a very straightforward disappearance, but it's still unsolved 28 years later. Uh, the next Friday, the 22nd, will be a new disappearance. Uh, last Friday of uh, this year will, of course, be the next update episode. And then once we get back into January, uh, the first couple Fridays, uh, of course, of uh, 2024 will be new disappearances as well. So that's what we are looking at for the rest of 2023 and into early 2024, if you are interested. And like I said, I've already said, we're going to revisit Aaron Gilbert's disappearance this Friday. This will also give us a chance to talk about her disappearance in the think tank, uh, which we haven't done before. Once again, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. If you'd like to take part. So uh, that is it uh, for tonight, uh, this December 11th, 2023 live show. Had a couple trolls for the first time in a while. That's interesting. I'm not sure what that means uh, for me going to uh, Colorado. I'll try to keep my head on a swivel. And I hope all of you will keep your heads on swivels. And uh, Hazel says, waiting for pics. Everybody wants to see me in a suit. Imagine that. That's all I have, and uh, thank you all for taking time out of your Monday night. Uh, thanks for all the great comments. Enjoyed talking to all of you. For some of you, great job on the trivia question. And you will uh, hear me, both my 2023 voice and my 2017 voice this Friday for the revisitation of the disappearance of Aaron Gilbert. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for the support. Cannot thank you enough. You've all made 2023 a spectacular year for me and Unfound. Thank you so much. Good night.